Are we? Nope. I'm on. Okay, you hear me in the back. Can you hear me now? You feel good? could be in some ways, but I'm thankful that this is the place that you have chosen to be. I'm on now. It is hot. Like I'm at a Van Halen concert. It is up there, okay? I'm thankful you have chosen to be here. I know that there are those who cannot be here who watch us each time online and watch us faithfully. Thank you for doing that. That is a blessing that we have this opportunity for those who cannot get out that can choose at this time to worship with us, and we are glad that you are here. Can I tell you, one of the challenging things about preaching is preaching on things that you're not good at. Can I tell you, if I were to preach on things I'm not good at, I've got a lot of stuff to preach on. And tonight's going to be one of those things that I think is a struggle for me and may be a struggle for you uh, as well as we uh, delve into this together. Let me ask you tonight, is your heart at peace? I'm going to let you think about that for a second. Tonight is your heart at peace. Because I know there are a lot of things going on. I don't know what exactly is going on in your life. I know that this week we have uh, uh, a sweet lady who's lost her husband. That funeral will be tomorrow. I know that that is a, uh, something that could cause your heart not to be at peace. I know there are those this week who may be struggling financially or your relationship uh, may not be going well. So this week, would you describe yourself for tonight as your heart at peace, or are you like this person, a little stressed? See, it's a real deal, and we think about it, you know, I love that stressed is just dessert spelled backwards. Uh, maybe if we had more desserts, we'd be less stressed. But I want to think about it, you know, you, you think about uh, uh, the picture of the little kid here, looks like they're stressed over their work or their homework. And I don't know why, it seems that some people go through life like this, and other people go through life like this sweet little girl. Not a care in the world and just smiling. There are some of us who just feel like we're one breath away from a panic attack and, and others whose heart seems to be truly at peace. There are those that it just seems that the world has just got us down and others is like everything's great. And, and the thing is, the question I really want to know is, is your heart at peace tonight or is it not? See, stress is real, and stress is something that uh, there is good stress that, that helps us to perform, but there's also stress that is difficult for us to function with. See, there are a lot of sources of stress, uh, sources of stress. When you look through, the, we go through the death of the loved one is one of the top sources of stress there is. Another is going through a divorce, uh, having marital problems, uh, the loss of a job, increase in financial obligations, getting married. Uh, moving to a new home, chronic illness or injury. See, those are things that bring about great stress. And on the list of top stressors, these are the things that come in. P emotional problems, which is depression or anxiety or, or anger, grief and guilt, low self-esteem, all of those, I think, come because of stress and cause stress. If you are someone who is taking care of someone else, caregivers go through so much stress or have a sick family member, or maybe you've gone through a traumatic event, you know, something has happened in your life. All these things are stressful, and they're things we all deal with. 
It's interesting, though, that stress doesn't just cause, uh, I, I guess, problems with us emotionally, even though there are some. But do you realize those stressors, things we go through, cause physical problems? I, I think we sometimes don't realize that many times our headaches or us being really tired or have difficulty sleeping or difficulty concentrating or having an upset stomach has as much to do with stress as what we just ate. Stress is something that does a lot of damage to us. It causes us to be more irritable. It is something that leads to depression. Stress leads to high blood pressure or abnormal heartbeat. Imagine that, that having stress leads to arrhythmia. Having a lot of stress in your life, that, that, that this is a prolonged stress that you can't deal with, can lead you to see the cardiologist. That just doesn't make sense in some ways, but it is true. It is what happens. It is something that leads to hardening of the arteries. You would think that would just come through something else. No, stress can cause that. Heart disease, heart attack, heartburn, ulcers, all different types of problems come from this. Upset stomach, it's, you go through weight loss or weight gain, fertility issues, flare-ups of asthma, arthritis. But so many of these are connected to long-term stress. Is your heart at peace? What I wanted to point out tonight is that stress over a long period of time can be dangerous. And what we want to know is, and, and, and well, Craig, how do we deal with it? Well, we need to know that more than likely the things that are affecting us today will still be affecting us tomorrow. It's not like I've got a magic pill that says, oh, the things that bothered you today, they will just be absent tomorrow. They will be gone. Stress is something that is real. And it's something that I think we need to look to the Bible to, to think about. My friend Lonnie Jones is quoted, I've heard him say many times, in order to help our young people, they have to realize that the Bible uh, is relevant to our present human condition. And it contains the answers to the things we're going through in our life. I don't think that's just good for teenagers. I think that's good for all of us. To realize the Bible is relevant to where we live each and every day. The Bible is helpful. The Bible is written for our learning. It is written to help us not only spiritually, but emotionally, physically. All those things are contained in Scripture. But the thing is, if our heart is constantly not at peace, then we can become stressed beyond our faith. We can get to the point where we are stressed beyond the faith that we have. The thing is, does a faithful, a peaceful heart come from an unstressed life? And I'll tell you, no. We have to be able to have peace in the midst of, stri of stress. What if, let's just say this, what if your family and you and your family, uh, you were ridiculed by your family? Some of you, what if you had a very stressful job, a job that would uh, give you just great uh, accountability for others and also this, this, this huge responsibility would be put on your shoulders? What if someone were trying to kill you and you found yourself on the run? What if you had a, a loss of a friendship? What if you had a death of a close friend? What if you went through a moral failure and you did something that you never, ever thought that you would do and knew you needed to, uh, to, to recover from that and to come back to God from that? What if you had a troubled marriage? What if, again, you had more moral failures than just the one? 
What if that you had this private sin that that, you, that held something over you, and and a few people knew, but it was something that caused great guilt in you? What if that you had a loss of a child and rebellious children? What if you had a daughter who was assault, assaulted? What if you had a loss of a child? What if again your life had been threatened? Could you still be at peace? What's amazing to me is a man in Scripture who had all these going on in his life happened to write the 23rd Psalm. Let that set in for a second. David, who had a job thrust upon him, he was chosen and anointed by God to be the king of Israel. What a stressful job to be responsible for God's people. He's also someone who, who faced Goliath. He stepped out when others wouldn't. He was ridiculed by his brothers. During that time, he is someone who, who led Israel greatly, but also uh, because of a, an incident, his uh, marriage with his wife, Michael, became, um, well, it said that he did not go to her anymore. After she got on to him for dancing uh, naked before the Lord, we can discuss that that probably means he wasn't in his priestly, his, I mean, his kingly garments. It said that he didn't like, basically, he, he did not spend time with her anymore. Then we find him failing morally with Bathsheba and also committing murder. Carrying that along with him, we, we realize that he lost a child because of that union. He also uh, had trouble in his house the rest of his life. But that man wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. If you will, let's read this together. Let's speak it out loud. I love this verse. I love when a congregation reads verses together, and we'll read the one that's on, uh, up here. I believe that's the English Standard Version. Let's say it at the same time. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell on the house of the Lord forever. Wow. We could stop now. Some of the most beautiful words ever written. People who judge poetry talk about how beautiful this is. This is beautiful literature-wise. This is something that, that we read many times uh, as you're standing beside a casket or as you're sitting beside a hospital bed. It is a, a powerful thought written by a man who knows what it's like to have every stress you could have in his life, but still find ways to be at peace with God. And, and we see that throughout the Psalms. I love that we get to see his struggles. He writes in Psalm 10, why, Lord, why do you stand so far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? But you come along by the end of Psalm 10, what does he say? Great are you, God. The Lord is my shepherd. When I think about him doing that, we realize that a tranquil heart, that is a peaceful heart, gives life to the flesh, Proverbs 14, 30. And what I want us to think about tonight is how do we have a peaceful heart with all these other things going on in our life? 
We're not going to cover the entire um, 23rd Psalm tonight. We're going to look at that the next several weeks. We're just going to start at the beginning tonight. As we deal with stress, each and every one of us deals with that each day. And I think one of the number one stressors we have is just worry. Would you agree with that? It's amazing what we have to worry about. I don't know, uh, it's funny, generation to generation, I don't think the people before us had to worry about identity theft. I mean, how many of y'all know, know what it was like just to balance a checkbook, just to make sure that the bank spent your money and put the money that was in there? Now you have to look to see if other people are spending your money. I know of people who have gone to buy a car or buy furniture and they, they get their credit checked and they go back and look and realize other people have opened up accounts in their name. When I was in, in, in college, um, I had a credit card for emergencies only. My first purchase was a bow, okay? It was, a, <laughs> it was on clearance, okay? Emergencies only. And I think Outback was the second, emergencies only. But I would get the statement each month. And I would look at it, and uh, our mailboxes were in the student center, and I put it in my backpack. And we were very trusting at school. We'd leave our backpacks there around for anyone else. So someone took my bill out and then called. And the reason I know that is they charged things. I, I went on spring break, and I was going to spend some time with some family, and we were going to fish. So I went to get my fishing license. And they said, sorry, sir, your, your card is maxed out, but we, are, we have approved your plane tickets to Florida and your new stereo. <laughs> um, they were with JetBlue, so I'm not sure they made it, okay, <laughs> during that time. They had some problems. Uh, I said, I'm not going to Florida, and I haven't ordered a stereo, and I had to go through all this to prove I didn't do that. Imagine worrying about that every day, and what the commercials want you to do. They want you to worry about it so you'll buy a service to guard against it. You think about identity theft. Uh, how many of you worry about losing your phone? Realizing if you're carrying a smartphone around, you're carrying around several hundred dollars a computer in your pocket, and you go, where is that? A couple of years ago, I was going hunting with a friend, and we went out that night to, to scout, and we had uh, driven all the way back this horrible uh, uh, this country road that, again, it was awesome for where I was for hunting purposes, and we got back to this house, and I realized we've just driven about five miles in Hampshire, Tennessee, and my phone is not on me. Somehow it stayed on the, right on the edge of the tailgate the whole way there. But I remember that feeling like, where is it? Many of you have had that feeling. And let's talk about real worries. You worry about your children. You worry about what's going on. You worry about what kind of world they're going to live in. And we think about all those different worries. The thing we have to do in the middle of those to have a peaceful heart is to listen to God. In that first verse of Psalm 23, we see what? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How does that deal with worry? See, worry is a, is a big deal. Worry uh, is something we do because we're, we think that we will not have something when we need it. I will not have the security I need. I will not have the, the safety I need. What is it that you worry about not having enough of? For a lot of people, it's money. Uh, will I have enough money? Uh, some people, it's friends. Uh, to me, uh, when I think about not having enough of something, uh, my fear is, is running out of two things, toilet paper and bullets, okay? 
I want to have a great supply of both of those things. This year at Christmas, I was going to give a gift to my uncle, and I was going to buy him bullets. My wife's like, you can give him some of yours. I looked, we don't do that. I'll go buy them. We don't get into our stash. We don't do that. You don't want to run out of those. It's interesting that we are so concerned with running out of something that we forget who the great supplier is of whatever that is. See, I, I grew up really struggling with this. I, I, I memorized this at a very young age. My dad was in a really bad car wreck before I was born, and he had to teach himself how to walk, talk, do all those things again. I, I really hope that he can come visit sometime. I really hope you get a chance to meet him. But what he would do to work on his speech is he would quote the 23rd Psalm over and over again. As I'm two and three years old learning how to talk, I, I was able to quote this. But can I tell you, I had no clue what it meant. I mean, when you look at this and say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Just at face value, it's like you don't want him. It's a weird thing. Somebody had to explain to you what that actually meant, or maybe you're just a lot smarter than I am. See, I'm thankful for newer translations that help out with this. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. That's what the NIV says. New Living Translation says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. Christian Standard Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. Both of those things, I think that expresses what it means. I lack nothing, God is the provider, the Lord is my shepherd, he is my provider, he gives me what I need and realize that it says that my God is enough for me. Can I tell you again, it's easier to preach and say than it is to believe that. To, to know that the Lord is the supplier, the Lord is the giver, the Lord is the giver of all things good, and he will give us what it is we need. See, my tendency, I don't know about yours, but my tendency is to put that pressure on somebody else. To put all that pressure to provide for me, whether it's my emotional needs, whether it's my physical needs, my spirit, whatever it is, to put that on somebody else besides God and besides myself. And what happens is, uh, have you ever made somebody else responsible for your happiness? Brianna and I had a really good person help us in our premarital counseling, and he went through all of this. This was like one of the main things, to tell me that she's not responsible for my happiness. I didn't, why am I getting married? <laughs> Everybody already told you to get married so you can finally be happy, right? That, that's what they, they tell you. And he says, hey, she's not responsible for your happiness. That's between you and God. You can't put on her to fulfill things only God can do. How many people have you put on that responsibility to give you what only God can truly give? You see, ever see it, parents put that on their children to fulfill them and make them happy, whatever the case may be, and sometimes you put it on a, a friend or a whatever the case may be. That is not the case, and the thing is, we want to blame someone else. The truth is, we have to put that and realize that God is the supplier of all that we need. If not, we put these great expectations on somebody else. Can I tell you, they will never, ever live up to them. We can put so many expectations on somebody else that only God is the one who can live up to those expectations. I love what one person wrote. They said, anytime you expect other people to meet needs instead of God, you're going to be frustrated. 
You're going to be disappointed, and they're not going to be able to measure up because nobody can meet your needs, no man or no woman. But see, when, when, when we do this, when we put that all on someone else, there's a name for that. It's called idolatry. We put someone else in the place of God. It's problematic. If the Lord is my shepherd and he gives us all that we need, we have to realize that we are to put that on him and expect that from him and realize also there's a sense of us learning to be what? That, that difficult word, content, and what God does. See, the true antidote for worry is, is to trust God to meet our needs. When I think about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and we realize there is the Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs that we look at and realize God is the one who meets those. When we put our security in something else besides God, guess what? It will let us down. What happened in uh, the 30s in this country? When we had the Great Depression? Why did people take their own lives? Because their security was not in God. It was in what they had lost. In 2008, is we had a, a, a big dip financially. What happened? People make all types of mistakes with themselves. There were people then who took their own life. Why? Because their security was in something else and not in God. You see somebody go through, a, their relationship falls apart, and they fall apart. Why? Because their, their security is in something else besides in God. We're going to have be disappointed in our life, and, and even when our security is in God, we're going to struggle because we're going to feel like sometimes he didn't do what we really wanted him to. Because sometimes we realize that what? God doesn't work the same way we work and God's ways are above our ways. And sometimes God knows what we need more than what we need and he gives us what, he, what we need instead of what we want. But we want to guard our hearts. We want our heart to be at peace and that comes from trusting in God. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. See, realizing that that's not talking about the, the, the blood-pumping muscle that, that is within our chest. I, I like how the, uh, I believe the New Living says it, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. I think that really carries on what that verse means. And the way we begin to believe about God, I think that's called faith and what we know and that really what we believe about God's our own theology, determines how we live. And if we're going to be at peace, I want us to look at how some other men tried to help us with this. Here's what David said about this. David said, again, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. I shall not want. I have, I, I have nothing that I don't need because he's going to be my shepherd. I stop expecting other people to meet the needs that only God can. The Lord has given me what I need. The Apostle Paul said it like this in Philippians 4.19. My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He also said this in, in Romans chapter 8. So the Bible says this in Romans 8, Since God did not spare even his own son for us, but gave him up for us, won't he surely also give us everything we need? Wow. What an incredible thought. 
That if God knew our greatest need while here on earth was what? A Savior. That's what sinners need. We need someone who could come, take away our sins. And if God knew that is what we needed and he was willing to give up his own son from us, what else is he going to withhold? When you see a cross, there's a lot of things to think about. One of the things to think about is the great price that was paid because it was our greatest need. And God would not withhold our greatest need from us even though it cost him his greatest his greatest son. What did Jesus say about this? In the Sermon on the Mount in, in, uh, Mark, in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 30, he said, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, into the oven will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what, that's an unpeaceful heart, saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He said, God knows what you need. Have faith in him, believe in him. And what's his answer? Seek him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Don't put all this talk, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble Know what he has taken care of you and how he has taken care of you today. I love what Isaiah says in Isaiah 30, verse 15. It says, The sovereign Lord says, Only in returning to me and waiting for me will you be saved. And quietness and confidence is your strength. What is it? Worship. Waiting on God. Knowing that he will meet those needs to have that, that heart that's at peace. And what do we do to, to achieve peace? It's not achieve, reaching out and trying to get everything we think we need. It's reaching out to get God and to seek him first above all. And to do what? Realize that he is the giver of all good things and he is the one who blesses. One person said when it comes to peace, it does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble, or hard work. It means to be in the midst of those things and still be calm in your heart. Why? Because we know who's in control. It means putting our faith in God, in the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He is all I need. As I said tonight, it's a whole lot easier to say than to, to live out. It is a goal. It is something I, I, I want to do to make sure that I have a reliance on him and to know that he is the one who takes care of me. And that is how we can live at peace regardless of what is going on around us. Tonight is your heart at peace. It's going to be, start to be at peace as you seek God, as you seek him first, as you put him above all. It will start to, to be at peace when you realize the Lord is my shepherd. For he is, he is all I need. He will take care of those things. But here's the thing. He has to be your shepherd. That's a personal pronoun. That is a personal relationship. He is my shepherd. And you start that tonight when you choose to make him your Lord, your king, your shepherd, your ruler, when you do what? When you choose to follow him by faith. Tonight, if you're not a Christian, tonight's the greatest night to make that decision and to follow him. And I pray that you will do that.
Tonight, you may need to be baptized for your sins. I, I would love for you to do that and make him your shepherd. Tonight, you may be saying, hey, Craig, my heart's not at peace, and I would love for this church family to surround me and pray with me and pray for me about that, and we would love to. So your heart may not be at peace because you're not at peace with God because you're, you realize your sin has led you away. We want to help you tonight. We want you to turn to him and to follow him and to repent. Tonight, if we can help you in this walk for your heart to be at peace and to walk with the shepherd, 